The RMS Titanic was built between 1909 and 1911. The ship was 882 feet and had a crew of around 900 people. The engines were powered by coal furnaces. The boat's cost to build was around $7.5 million, or around $400 million in today's money. During production of the ship, only five documented and known workers passed away. One was Samuel Scott, who was a catch boy who died after falling 23 feet from atop a ladder at the age of 15. The second was John Kelly, who died at the age of 19 after falling from ship 401. The third being William Clark, who died at 27 years old from bronchopneumonia after falling from a stage two days after the stage, well, his fall, you know what I mean. The fourth was James Dobin, who was killed in 1911 after being struck by a timber strut during the launch of the ship. He was 43 years old. The fifth and final worker documented was Robert Murphy, who died following a skull fracture after falling. He was 43 years old. The scale of the ship, while still massive, has been outmassed, of course, in the technological advancements of society. At the time, the ship was the largest in the world, requiring 20 horses to carry the main anchor. The ship had tons of food and services to provide, and which resulted in the use of 14,000 gallons of drinking water in 24 hours, 40,000 fresh eggs and provisions, and 1,000 bottles of wine to serve the wealthy or the ones who could afford it. The ship had a total carrying capacity of 64 lifeboats, although only 20 were actually used. 28 people were carried on the first lifeboat to be sent out after the iceberg struck. The number of people the mammoth could carry was around 3,547 people, while the crew and the passengers actually taken aboard were 2,223 people, with a total of 13 honeymooning couples. The ship had a total of six warnings before the iceberg had actually collided with it. When the collision occurred, it took the beast at least two hours and 40 minutes to fully capsize. The water was negative two degrees Celsius, which is around negative 28 degrees Fahrenheit. Only 31.6% of, of the passengers survived during the sinking in 1912. Sadly, the truth of the matter is, if all, four, if all 64 lifeboats were used, that would have resulted in 53.4% of people surviving. Sadly, although a number of dogs aboard was 12, the number that actually survived were 3. Shame. <laughs> Poor pooches. The ship struck the berg at 11.40pm and didn't fully sink until around 2.20am. The ship now lies about 12,600 feet below the ocean. Discovered September 1st of 1985 by Dr. Robert Bullard, who is a, uh, I guess he was a French, he's a Frenchman? French explorer, I guess? Something along the lines of that. I would imagine he's probably dead now. I don't know, I'd have to see them. The ship now lies 12,600 feet below, discovered September 1st, 1985. They recovered a total of 6,000 artifacts, with the pressure at the depths being around 400 psi. It's very hard to really explore down there with all that pressure of the water, you know? And I will say one thing. After so many friggin' years, the pool is still filled with water. I mean, think about that mind-boggling. The bow is estimated to strike the bottom of the ocean at around 35 miles per hour. 
As of today, a total of 37 fucking terabytes of information has been collected about the sinking and the data from the debris and all that other crap. The ship is estimated to lose around 600 pounds of metal every day due to corrosion. Two years ago, that number was around 200 pounds. So you gotta think. I mean, 1912, so many freaking years ago. Around 113. Well, 112 now. 112 fucking years ago. And then now 600 pounds of metal every day. This ship was one of a kind, unsinkable, yet it sunk. Think about that. It's amazing how far we've come, with the largest ship today being the Seawise Giant, which retired in 2009, which had a length of 1,504 feet long. That's that, then. When you really take a look back at society during that whole time period, you really start to think about... Well, at least I choose to think about the advancements. I mean, the first cars. This was the time of Ford and his uprising. I mean, the Model T. Well, the first model cars that Ford really put out. I believe the Model T was invented and kind of just started production in 1908. So this time you would have had Model Ts around. Maybe not mass-produced like they were in the 20s. Maybe. I don't really know when the date that they were mass-produced was. I'd have to do a little bit more research on that. But the time of the end of the huge industrial revolution and the beginning of modern society really puts into perspective the strengths of humans. When you really take a look back and observe the way that people acted with the mannerisms and the... uh, the properness that everybody had, you really start to understand how far we've come. People at this time said there's no way that we could build a ship this big, and they built it. In the 60s, we said there's no way that humans are going to go to the moon. We went to the moon. In the 70s, they thought computers were stupid and were never going to amount to anything. It took them 40 years for the computer. Now, 40-some years, about 50 now, for that computer to be worthless. Who has a computer anymore? You know why? Because everything's on our phone. It took the iPhone from 2007 to modern day to fully advance to what it is now. You can take pictures with the newest iPhone with the same camera quality as $1,000 to $2,000 equipment. Just the advancement of society in such a short period of time. I mean, think about it. The 1860s brought industrial power. We bought, we brought the, the revolution of steam, engines, trains, highways. The late 1800s brought the telephone. The early 1920s brought the TV. TVs are... Yeah, they're still used, but they're not used quite like they were back at the time. It took, after the TV, about maybe 10 years for the first programs to be invented on television, which were, I believe, BBC started theirs in the 1937, I believe. Really didn't have much on it. 
and it only had a short period of time that the shows actually ran. And then when we talk about the 50s, it was just the boom of TV. America. It was the upbringing. It was everything that we know today established. And when you really take a look back at all these things, I know I keep seeing it, but it's true. When you really take a look back at these things, you start to understand. This is all leading up to where we are now. This is humanity. We are the future. We are the ones who built ships 700 feet long. We're the ones who went to the moon. We have a touchscreen computer based solely on our fingers. With the processing power of most expensive... A computer that NASA would have had the size of the room in the 50s and 60s. In our pockets every day. We have constant communication. We can talk with people from across the globe. We've advanced. Some of our first trillionaires are going to come within the next 10 years. I mean, we went from space exploration being solely due to government. Now we have private space corporations. The time is now, and we live in that time. Now, will I see space in my lifetime? I do not know. Will my kids see it? Who knows? But I can guarantee you my grandkids probably will. Their kids probably will live in space. The time to move is now. The time to make these decisions is now. And coming out with the coronavirus, they're talking about a new recession. This recession is an opportunity. As the stock market crashes, you have the opportunity to invest. As all of these people drop their assets, you have the ability to come in there and take it. So we can build ships like the Titanic. Well, the Titanic too, if you want to be specific. We should probably do that. (laughs) Yeah. All of this has led to this. Sorry about the tangent, but I just, uh, I had some late night thoughts that I figured I'd, uh, get out. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode, and I will, um, I'll be back with, uh, the big boy soon, and we'll come back with a new, uh, new podcast soon. Thank you for watching. Bye.